You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, please visit Stonegate.Church. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, hey, my name is Jimmy. Uh, if you are new with us, I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Stonegate. Really glad that you're joining us uh, today. And actually, this is a great day uh, for you to be here uh, because uh, if you weren't here last week, ex- especially, uh, we are uh, two weeks in now to a very special series uh, in the life of our church. We just kicked off, and it's called Follow Me. And it's really uh, the kickoff of a two year generosity initiative that we have in front of us as a church. It's kind of the biggest thing that we've uh, ever done as a church family and and all our uh, 13 years or so of of being a church. And uh, if you weren't here last week, let me kind of orient you to what's uh, going on. Here's what's going on. In case you haven't noticed it, uh, God is doing a lot of weird things uh, at Stonegate. Um, like, uh, what I mean is, uh, like, it's 2024, and uh, we're, we're supposedly in this, like, post-God, post-Christian nation, and nobody loves Jesus and all this, and, like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of new people just keep coming to Stonegate. Uh, and I, I get, yes, it's amazing. Praise God. I, it, and you just need to know that's weird, right? That's not, uh, that's not happening Some places, but most places, no. And yet here, for whatever reason, that thing is going down. It has been going down for a long time. I mean, it doesn't take long to look around and just get a sense. That's a a real thing. And so as a church, we're kind of being confronted now with like, how do we steward this? How do we, how do we navigate the the fact that this is happening? And um, a lot of ideas have been thrown out, some good, some bad. Uh, you know, there's the idea of, well, maybe you uh, put some guys with clickers at the door, and once we hit our quota, we just, you know, kick the rest out and put some red tape. I don't know if that's an option. Felt a little hostile, so we said no to that. Uh, there's a, uh, you could, we could charge tickets. That's an option. You just do like a diamond, uh, gold, platinum membership kind of thing here. And I said, I, I said no. I said, that's sleazy. We're not doing it. No. Uh, so, uh, bad ideas, but there's... Uh, Good ideas too. Like, uh, here's one that we've been talking about for a long time. What if we, oh, I don't know, planted more churches, right? Like, what if we got out there and like we raised up church planters and we sent them outside of the walls uh, of our church uh, around this area and we sent a bunch of y'all with them and like did that. Like, maybe maybe that would uh, help. Uh, things around here. And if you've been with us at Stonegate for any length of time, you know, man, we, we are so committed to that. We love that. That's like our DNA, church planting is. And in fact, uh, we love it so much we've done it, like dozens and dozens and dozens of, we've helped plant dozens of churches and a number of them, we've actually raised up leaders right here and sent them out to like Cedar Hill and Arlington and places around here. And we've sent literally hundreds of y'all with them over the years. Uh, we're so committed to this that we're doing it again. Again, right now, uh, if you were with us a couple weeks ago, we announced that we're bringing on a new church planning resident who we're going to develop over the next year and a half, two years, and we're going to send him and his wife out to plant somewhere, uh, hopefully around here, and we're going to hopefully send a ton of y'all with him. Uh, if you were with us, uh, you knew we announced who it was. A lot of you know him. It's Jeff Garner. Jeff Garner, like, like yeah, come on, Jeff, a former student pastor. He, he's coming on, and we're going to send him out, and I hope a ton of y'all will go with him. And... People still keep coming. I don't know what to tell you. Like we keep sending y'all out and more come back in. I don't, and hey guys. And so, so the, the problem is real no matter what we're doing. So what, what do you do in light of that? So here's where we landed. Here's what we're going to do. All of it, except the uh, ticket thing. You know, we're not going to charge you. Uh, We're going to raise up church planners. We're going to plant churches. We're going to send lots of y'all with them. And we're going to make room at Stonegate 
for the folks that God's bringing us. Because he brings, yes, yeah, thank you, charismatics. Come on, people. I need some, I need something, okay? Let's not get sleepy. So we're, we're doing both of those things. Now, here's uh, how that is going to make sense. What we're aiming at over the next two years, we want to set ourselves up to do three big things. We want to make deep disciples, more disciples, and young disciples. That's kind of how we're framing it. That's fancy words to talk about this. Uh, We want to make some room here. So it's things like this. Um, We want to expand this auditorium. This whole wall blows out, gets pushed back, and we virtually, with just the dropping of a wall, virtually double the capacity of just this auditorium by blowing out this wall and moving everything back like that. It's amazing. Uh, We're going to make new kids space. We're going to take our current office buildings and we're just going to give that all to kids because you guys know how to make some babies around here. So we need some space. So we're just going to do that over there. We're doing a student lobby over here, a big, nice student lobby where uh, students can come in and gather and fellowship there. And then they'll they'll, uh, do the well in here uh, Wednesday to Wednesday. So all this stuff's happening. And uh, just we want to continue to do that week in, week out ministry of like making deep disciples here where we develop leaders and we get into to God's word and uh, growing rich theology and being small. We want to do all that. So just like the week to week stuff and that whole cocktail of things right there, that whole bucket right there, that, that's what we're aiming at achieving over the next two years. And that whole bucket right there, that's going to cost us about $15 million. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to call on three or four of you today. And I want you to stand up. We're going to do this checkbook thing. Uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, that's another church. Uh, we... Uh, We're not going to do that, Uh, but that is the number that we have out in front of us, $15 million. Now, I want to say something about that because you hear that number and then all the thoughts come. um, I want to say this. It's important you hear this. Our primary goal at Stonegate is not the number $15 million. That is, that is the number that gets those wheels turning. But for us, that's not what's in the center of the bullseye. I know it's hard to believe, and it sounds like doublespeak, like that's what you have to say because you're a pastor, but I actually mean it. I actually believe God can do whatever he wants. Uh, a number's a number to him. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I'm not worried about it. The Lord, if he wants that to happen here, he, it's going to happen. So I'm confident in that. Uh, But that's not what's in the center of the bullseye for us. What's in the center of the bullseye for us is that every single person in this room, including me, would all stack our hands on this. Over the next two years, we are going to get before the Lord and seriously do this. Open ourselves up and our heart to him and go, Lord, what does it look like for me to walk with you in radical faith? What does radical generosity over these next couple years look like in my life, in my family's life? What does that look like for us? For you and I to, to humble ourselves before God and ask him to do that kind of work in us is the goal. 100% participation, that is the goal. And I think if that happens, it will change our church. It will change you if you let it happen. I think some wonderful, beautiful things uh, will happen here. So that's what we're exploring over these next five weeks in this series called Follow Me. We're we're spending these five weeks just looking at uh, what God's word has to say about following Jesus, what it looks like, what it feels like, what we can expect, what the aim of following Jesus is. We're we're looking at what are the roadblocks to all that. And I'm I'm hoping that as we get into this series that that God is going to do some changing work in us as a church. So, uh, we're asking two things of you uh, right now, and, and then I'm going to pray and we'll get into the, the sermon. Um, it, we mentioned this last week. Uh, thing number one is this. Ask number one is this. Um, we want you here over the next five weeks. 
for, for this series, uh, I, I want you to be here. I know it's cool to like come to church and then like not for a while and then come to church and then not, uh, but that's so 2023. Let's do a new thing. It's a new year. Like, co- like come with it. We're already two in, so there's only three more. I believe in you, okay? Uh, for over these next, this week and then three more weeks, would you stick in it with us? Because I think God is up to some important things and I want you to hear it with us. I want you to see it with us. So that's what we're asking, that you and your family would commit. We're here. That's one. Two, uh, that, that during this time, especially you and your family or however you, you are, that you would jump into a group here. Group, community groups are so important and many of you are already in one, so that's great. Our community groups are already turning our attention to the themes of Follow Me, so that's great. If you're in one, you just plow right ahead. If you're not, we just made the bar so low for you. It's so easy. Here's, here's what we've done for you. We've created groups that meet up here in this space, in different pockets of the room, uh, three nights a week for this whole series. Sunday night, we meet up here. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, we meet right here. It's not too late to jump in. You could literally jump in tonight to a group and get integrated and do that thing. And we, we've got to, uh, some material and some stuff we're focusing on. We're getting in conversations because this stuff demands conversation and processing and prayer and all of that stuff. We want you to be in a group. So I'm asking you, would you take that risk? Would you take a, a step of faith and jump in a group over these next weeks that we have in the series? Those are the two requests. Yes? Okay. Okay, great. A lot of information. Let me pray for us. And uh, well, let me tell, uh, <laughs> let me tell you one more, th- one more thing. Uh, information. Uh, you should have got this when you came in. Did you get that? This is a little booklet. We have it. If you didn't get it, can I be that guy? Can you just put your hand up? I'm not going to call you up on stage. We have folks in the back that are going to bring you one right now. It's important because uh, it's, it is, this is your companion for the next uh, three, four weeks together. And it gives you a place to take notes on the sermon, like today, page 30, that's our day. So you can write in there. We want you to have this. It gives you all the info you need. Please get one of these. If you don't have it already, bring it next week. Like this is, this is your thing. There's one over there. Yep. Uh, very important booklet for you. Uh, this guy, boom, treasure principle. You ever heard of this? Uh, Randy Alcorn. Um, we just ran out in the back. We're going to have more next week. So, uh, but we're giving this to you as a gift. Every family gets this for free as a gift. We're going to have it in the back next week for you. So if you didn't pick one up, get it. This book changed my life. I've read it two or three times now. I mean, really changed my life. And I mean, that's like, that's three bathroom visits and you're done. You know what I mean? So just like, you can, you can do this. It's not very big. Okay. Uh, and uh, one other thing is this guy right here. This is our commitment card. Uh, there's a big date coming up. February 25th. It's the end of follow me. It's the day where we're, we're, we're saying we have gotten before the Lord and this is what he's shown us. This is what he's shown us. Radical faith and generosity looks like over these next two years for us. This is where you record that, turn it in, that whole thing. It's on that little booklet too. Be sure to have that. That's a lot of information. Now I'm going to pray. Father, we love you, and uh, we are eager for you to move during this service and during um, this series. I just, I'm, I'm going to believe you're, you're up to good things in, in this. Uh, Lord, we, um, this is a big venture, and I don't know what the outcome is, but I'll tell you what I want it to be, Lord. I want to be on the other side of this and, and, hold, and be holding on to Jesus harder. And be clinging to the Savior more. And, and to, to be stepping out in faith in bigger ways than I have before. Uh, and if, if this series is going to help us with that, Lord, please do it. And everyone in this room, would you do a, like a little revival here? 
Like, would you do that kind of thing in us? We really want that, and we want you, and we need you. So God, please work that kind of miracle in our church. Open up our hearts to everything that you would have before us over these next couple years. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen? Amen. I'm just preaching one verse today. One verse. The Puritans did it all the time. Uh, uh, guys would write a 110-page book. John Owen wrote a 110-page book on Romans 8.13. So I've got 30 minutes on one verse. Grant me that. It's a, actually just one sentence in, in the verse. Uh, verse 19, we're just looking at Jesus' words to Andrew and Peter when he sees them on the boat fishing. He says a sentence to him. We're going to take in three parts. And that's all we're doing today is we're just observing what he says to those two disciples. And here's the sentence. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's it. If you want to know where we're going, we're just, we're just observing what the, our Lord is saying in that sentence. So, uh, if you have your Bible, get it out. Let me give you the context by starting in verse 18 and reading uh, it again for us. It says this, uh, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Okay, uh, stop right there. Uh, let's get some context. Uh, it's probably important for you to know, uh, this isn't actually Jesus's first encounter with Andrew and Peter. It looks like, it looks like Jesus just randomly rolls up on people and is like, come on, and then they come. That's not actually what's happening here. Uh, they've actually known him for about a year. If you go uh, over to John chapter one, you discover that Andrew was one of John the Baptist's disciples. And he's there with John, and John sees Jesus, and he goes, behold the Lamb of God. And Andrew goes, Oh my goodness! And he goes after him, and he grabs Peter, and he says, I think we found the Messiah. And that whole thing goes down, and they start following Jesus. And that, that's about a year prior to this moment, give or take. So, uh, so some time has passed. They're acquainted with the data about this guy. But it must have been some kind of on-again, off-again following, because here they are uh, out in the boat, and Jesus comes to them, and he looks at them and says, Hey, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So that's, that's where we're at uh, in the story. So now I want to take that sentence, and just the first part of it, I want to look at those two, first two words, follow me. Okay, if you were with us last week, uh, Rodney basically spent his whole sermon on the idea of following Jesus. He built it, uh, it's so, such a good sermon, you should go back and listen to it. He built it around John 10, 27. Uh, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So all I want to do uh, for this point is just, I want to re-emphasize one thing he said last week, and then um, I, I want to add one thing to what he said last week. So let me re-emphasize one thing uh, real quick. Um, here's one thing he said last week that, that really uh, struck me. He said, there is a difference between knowing Jesus is the good shepherd and knowing Jesus as the good shepherd. Yeah? Let me say that again. There is a difference between knowing Jesus as the good shepherd and knowing Jesus as the good shepherd. Or let me say it a different way. Uh, there is a difference between following Jesus and knowing you should follow Jesus. Yeah? Big difference. Like heaven and hell differences between the two things. Um, here's, here's why I want to emphasize that. Um, because... In many ways, Peter and Andrew already knew Jesus by the time this verse comes along, right? 
what did we just find out in John chapter 1? We found out that they knew that he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They already know that. Out of Andrew's own mouth, he said, this guy is the Messiah. They know that. They know he's the Messiah, know he's the Lamb of God, and they're fishing. He's fishing again. So something, something was not connecting up. It, and the reason I know that is because Jesus felt compelled to go up to them and tell them, hey, it's time to follow me. So, so they, had, they had doctrine, but the devotion wasn't there yet. They, they had a sense of the facts about Jesus, but it hadn't worked in them so deeply that they are now following him. And, and let me just tell you, that's entirely possible for all of us. We could have facts without the following. We could have doctrine without devotion. And, and there's something like that going on because Jesus looks at him. He says, follow me. I just want, I want to say this, that Jesus isn't interested in just you being familiar with him and his teachings and kind of getting some of that data and putting it in your theological pockets, you know, for those Christmas parties when you drop. He, he's not interested in that. He, he doesn't care about that. He wants you to follow him. Doctrine without devotion is nothing. It's, it's just demonic, really. The demons can do that, right? The, the, Jesus wants you to pursue him. There's a difference between following Jesus and knowing you should. So I'm just saying that to go, where are you? Like when I say that, uh, I know there's people in here, you're hearing me and you're like, dude, you are speaking to me right now. Because some of you are here and you've been here for a minute. And, and, and you just keep coming and doing the Sunday thing. But if you're honest, you're totally doing the fence riding thing where you just haven't picked a team. You haven't thrown your life in with King Jesus because you know rightly that it's going to cost you some stuff for you to throw yourself in with Jesus. It's going to cost you uh, maybe your reputation or some of your relationships. Or you're going to have to have a, have a hard conversation or it might cost you your time or it might cost you your, your perfect designer life or it may cost you your income or it might cost you even your life depending on where you're from. It may cost you some things. And if that's you, if you're hearing this and you're going, dude, I am the guy who's here, but I'm not here. I'm here, but like I'm just on the fence. I just built my house on the fence. If that's you, well, I, what I want you to hear this morning is it's, don't fool yourself. That's what I want you to hear. Please don't fool yourself. Just because you come here on Sunday does not mean you're a follower of Jesus. Just because you're here on Sunday does not mean you're a follower of Jesus. Just because you go to community group doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. Just because I'm preaching this sermon does not mean I'm a follower of Jesus. Right? You're a you know when you're a follower of Jesus? You're a follower of Jesus when you follow Jesus. That's when you're a follower of Jesus. Not when you do some Christian-y activities. It's when we follow him that we become followers of him. So I just want to reiterate that because I think it's so important that Rodney said that last week. So file that away. Experience the conviction of that if the Spirit is um, hitting you with that right now. Uh, hold on to that. Now let me add one thing to what he said last week. The thing I want to add is simply this. Uh, Jesus' words to Andrew and Peter uh, and to us, I just want to point this out. They're a command. Yeah? They're a command. Um, I bring this up because, and maybe this is just for me, but sometimes I need to be reminded that meek and lowly and sweethearted Jesus is also the king of the universe 
and the only sovereign who rightfully demands my loyalty as his subject. Like it's, it's good to remember that. Like he, he's the boss. Like he's not just like chum to you. He's the, he is the king of the universe. And, and he's looking at them and he's looking at us and he's saying, follow me. So, and I'm not saying that, that he says it or acts like some sort of oppressive jerk or some like, like despot, you know, just with us under his thumb. I'm not saying he's like that. I'm just saying when, when the king of the universe who made you and has given you every good and perfect gift looks at you and his word and he says to you, hey, Mark, follow me. Hey, Jennifer, follow me. Kevin, follow me. Jimmy, follow me. When he says that, he's not suggesting it. He's commanding it. And he has the right to do so. And we should take his voice seriously. Now, you can do what you want. You're grown-ups, right? You can do whatever you want. You cannot follow him. It will be to your ruin, but you cannot follow him. But listen... The king is looking at you this morning through this text, through these words, and he's saying, hey, follow me. And I'm just saying, will you, listen, will you, will you not take those words lightly? This isn't just like a fun, like, like maybe you should. He's saying, as your king, come. So take that. Hold on to that. Follow me. Let's look at the next part of a sentence. Part two. Follow me. And I will make you. Again, all we're doing today is we're just noticing things. It's just good Bible study. You slow down and you just, you just observe what the text is saying. So I just want to notice some things of, of, with the language of this text with you. Here's one of the things I noticed. When you follow Jesus, what this text says is Jesus will change you. That's what it says. Follow me. And I will make you something. There's a follow me and. This, this is a command with a promise behind it. He's saying something's going to happen on the other side of you throwing your life in with me. Something will happen. And the thing that will happen is I'm going to make you something. I'm going to change you into something. Now, before we look at what he makes us into, what he changes us into, let's just appreciate this together. There is no such thing as you following Jesus and not changing that guy doesn't exist, right? The text says it. There's no such thing as you following Jesus and you're not changing. Another way to say it is following Jesus means you changing. That's, that's what it means. That's what the text says. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Do you remember um, when we looked at uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 3.18? And we all with unveiled faces... Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. And we talked about what that meant, that that, that means that we become like what we behold. We, we look like what we look at. Or you might think about it with this text. We, we change into the image of the one we're following. That's what this text means. When you follow Jesus, Jesus will change you. Do, do, have you ever seen Steve Irwin's son? You guys remember Steve Irwin? Uh, passed away in a uh, uh, crocodile hunter, right? Just got that fabulous haircut and uh, just that really attractive um, all beige kind of look about him, right? And he's just like crazy about uh, wrestling um, lizards and stuff. He's just like loves that life. Have you ever seen uh, his son? We got a picture of this. Is a, this is a, next to each other. This is him and his son. 
Uh, I don't know which is which, to be honest with you. The, I mean, at this, that's his son, Robert, and they're both insane, clearly. And uh, both uh, also find beige to be an important part of their uh, wardrobe situation. And, and I'm saying that this is, this is him and that is his son. And my question is, uh, why? Why, uh, why is his son like that? Why is he a spitting? When, when, you, when you watch him on Jimmy Fallon and you hear him talk and it just, his mannerisms and the way he talks and his, and his sweetness and how much uh, he loves serpents and all that. Why is it so like, like shot for shot his dad? Do you, do you want to know why it is? Show the picture. This is why it is. That is the worst picture I've ever seen in my life. I can't believe that man did that. Uh, but that's, that's Robert Irwin uh, when he was a baby. Uh, this dude, the, he, he grew up in a zoo. He lived in, he lives in a zoo, right? And he just grew up with his dad just throwing meat to these uh, dinosaurs. This is what he did his whole life. Just eight years old, he was doing it by himself. I mean, all he's known is running alongside his dad, doing this crazy stuff. So it's no wonder he's crazy. And my only point is to say, if you run with crazy people, you're going to turn out crazy. And it, likewise, what happens when you run with the Holy One? What happens when you spend your life following the righteous son of God? Do you know what happens? You start walking in righteousness. It's what happens. It's the pattern of scripture. It's the pattern of the Christian life. You become like what you behold. Now, this is actually a great test for us. Um, If you say you're a Christian and your life looks like everyone else around you, can we agree you probably have some questions to ask of yourself? Like, if... If nothing is different about the way you speak or think or what you watch or how you joke or how you spend or how you forgive, if nothing is different between you and the next guy, that stuff, can we just say, are you you following? Like, who are you following? Because you just look like everybody else, but you don't look like the, the abnormally holy one. This is, this is a litmus test for us. Follow me and I will make you. Means, as we follow him, we change. That's what it means. As we follow him, we change. Now, some of you hear that and you're like, amen. Yes, yes to that. But some of you, when you hear that, you feel really discouraged, right? Because you're going, dang, I thought I was following him. But I'm still kind of a train wreck, right? And I, so maybe I'm... Maybe I'm not because I am just a mess and I, I do have all these struggles and, and am I not following me? And let me just say this to you if you're feeling any of that, which many of you might be. Before you despair that, that you've just tried and you can't and I guess maybe you're not his or something, can't, just look again at the text, at, at who it is, what a precious truth, who it is who's doing the changing. He says, follow me and who? I will make you. So we, we just learned when you follow Jesus, Jesus will change you. Now what I'm saying is when you follow Jesus, Jesus will change you. Do you see? So important. Jesus will never tell you to follow him and then just kick you to the wolves and tell you to figure it out. He never does that. He always goes with you. He does a reformation inside of you before he sends you anywhere. This is what he promises in the new covenant. You, when you come to Jesus, did you know this? When you begin following the Lord Jesus, you get a new heart. Congratulations. 
Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36. You, you are your heart of stone that doesn't really care about spiritual things and you just kind of want to uh, play Call of Duty all day. That stone comes out of your chest and he puts in a heart of flesh that actually is going, wait, I actually think I care about things and the Lord and eternity and, and people. What is this? Like, there's something new there. This is what happens to every person who is genuinely pursuing Jesus Christ. You get a new heart. You get new affections, new desires. And so this is what it means. So many of you have experienced this. You go, man, I, I never cared about that, but now I care about that. And can I tell you, that's not you. That's not you figuring it out. That's a gift from Jesus to you. He and the Father send the Spirit to you so that the Spirit of Jesus Christ dwells inside you. Man, that's empowering, isn't it? When, when you follow Jesus, Jesus will change you. But it gets even better than this. Because the text tells me, not only when, when you follow Jesus, Jesus changes you. It says, when, Jesus, when you follow Jesus, Jesus will change you. Look at the text. Follow me and I will make you. Do you see, this is a guarantee to us. You need to take, these are called promises. You take them, you memorize them, you put them in your spiritual pocket and you hold on to them when you're feeling discouraged. You, you remember, no, no, there are no possibilities with God. There are actualities. My God gets things done inside of me. I don't have to stay this way forever. You actually will do something. Uh, when your brother-in-law says he's going to help you move, there's a 50-50 chance that thing's going down, right? 50-50. When Jesus says it, it's going to happen. Why? Because Jesus is not a liar like your brother-in-law. He's not like that. He, he can be counted on. He is faithful. He's reliable. This is a promise for you. Can I tell you what this should produce in your heart? A ton of relief. Is anybody fe just feeling the, just like glimmer of relief right now? That, 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 are you stuck in a rut? Are you just like, I have been on this train track forever. I can't get off. I just feel, I'm beating my head against the wall. I'm just, it's the same sin every day or every week. I can't make progress. Can I tell you, you don't have to talk like that anymore, Christian. There's a promise for you. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm not saying it's not a long road in front of you. But what I'm saying is there's an end to that road. I have a promise from scripture that things actually can and will change as you follow Jesus because Jesus does the changing in you. There's a hopefulness and a, and a buoyancy that a Christian should have that we could bring to the table because the work isn't ultimately ours. We're not the decisive ones. God is. God is the great doer. And so experience the relief of these words to you. Follow me and I, Jesus, will make you. I will change you. You can count on that. Uh, what is your only hope that you're going to be different next year than you are this year? What's the only hope that you're going to be any better tomorrow than you are today? What's the only hope? Is it you? What's the, oh, what's the only hope? Can we get real personal? Uh, am I allowed to say this? Uh, what, is, what is your only hope that you're not just going to swim in cynicism for the next two years through this all follow me campaign? It's just another fancy church just wants all my money, right? Don't act like none of y'all thought that when we started talking $15 million, right? What's the only shot you've got of coming out on the other side of this with some buoyancy, with some, uh, I don't know, 1 Corinthians 13, love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, bears all things. I'm going to, uh, oh, I don't know, assume the best about pastoral leadership and not think that they all just want Rolexes. Like, like what is it, like, what's the only chance that you're going to come out of this not a cynic? 
not pessimistic about the whole thing, not a curmudgeon. Can I tell you? The answer is Jesus. Jesus will change you. Jesus will make you. Jesus will do it. That's your only hope. And I hope that brings a lot of relief and a lot of comfort to you. Follow me and I will make you. So, the only question left is make us what? That's where we're ending. Make us what? What will Jesus make his followers into? And that's the rest of the sentence, isn't it? Follow me and I will make you answer. Fishers of men. Fishers of men. Here's what this means. Uh, there are lots of things uh, that are going to change when you start following Jesus Christ. Um, your behaviors are going to change. Your appetites are going to change. Uh, your conversations are probably going to change. Your community is going to change. Who you run with changes. Uh, your interests are going to change. What you love changes. What you hate changes. What, what you like and dislike changes. All of those things are subject to change. But here in this verse, what this verse is saying is, when you start following Jesus, one of the big boy things that changes in your life is this. Your mission is going to change. Your mission is going to change. Um, look, go back with me. We're now uh, on the Sea of Galilee. There's the boat, Jesus, uh, Peter, and Andrew there. And I want you to see it. There they are, and they're fishing, okay? Uh, and, and let me just clarify, this is not bros out fishing, right? This is not like Coors Light and a koozie with like Morgan Wallen on the background, Joe Pool Lake. That's not what this is. They are working, okay? This is their job. They work in the food service industry, right? They're fishermen, and they do, they've done this for their entire adult lives. This is what they do. They, they fish. They work. This is what they think about. This is what they plan their family schedules around. This is wh what they aim their lives at. This is their mission. This is what they do. And Jesus swoops into this scene with these men doing these things, and he comes to them, and he says, boys, new mission, new aim. Uh, you, you were fishers of fish. I'm telling you, we're pivoting old news, here's the new thing. You are now fishers of men. Now that's a kind of a weird way to put that, uh, but he's contextualizing it for him. Let me say it uh, to you in a, another way. Uh, here's what Jesus is saying to these men. Uh, I am going to make you into people who live to see others know me. I, you follow me and I'm going to make you into people who, who live to see others know me. Not people who just live to Make it smiling to death with a little money in your bank account, with hopefully a nice family around you. Not that, but people who live and die to, to, to see others know the one true God. That's what he's saying. What is the aim of Jesus Christ for your life? What is it? We say it uh, all the time around here. If you've been with us for 30 seconds, you know, you know it. We say that that to be a Christian is to enjoy Jesus and make disciples. Thank you. To, to make disciples. This is what it means to be to enjoy Jesus and to make disciples. That, that we would know him and we would live to help others know him. That, that we would, that he'd be our treasure and then we would live to help everyone around us see him as the treasure. That that's why we exist. That's the point of life. This is everything. Have you been wondering like what it's all about? He's telling you right here. The aim of life. The mission of life. Is that you would follow me. Enjoy me. Know me. And be so captivated by the sight of me. By, the, by my presence. By the treasure that I am to you. That you can't help but just go. Come. Who else wants to come? Who else needs to know? This is, the, this is the Christian life. This is the normal 
normative Christian life, y'all. To enjoy Jesus and make disciples, to know him and want so bad for others to know him that you and I would be people who, you move into a neighborhood and, and getting to know your neighbors is like the thing you're, you're praying for an opportunity for instead of praying that God would make sure you never meet them ever, right? Like that, that you'd go out in public to the store and you'd, I don't know, take your AirPods out because there's human beings around you that, that actually are eternal souls that, that are going to be somewhere for eternity. That, that as you parent, your chief goal would not be for your kids fruits and veggies, but that your chief goal would be to help them see that Jesus isn't, he's not dull. I promise he's not boring. He's, he's the pearl of great price. He's everything. Let me get creative to think about ways to help you see him as that. Let me demonstrate that in my life, that that's my whole goal as a parent now. That, that we would be people who, who are just blisters on our knees, pleading with God for our neighbors, for, for our family members, for our coworkers, that they would come to know him, that, we, that we're not just scrolling all day, but we're, we're in our prayer closets, talking with them, asking him to move and work. That we'd be people who, some of us in this room, leave this church and you go to the pioneer mission field of the 1040 window where nobody's heard the name Christ Jesus before. Where, where you mention that name and you go to prison or you get kicked out or you, or, you, or you die. Like I want that kind of life for some of us in here. And God is calling some of you in here to that. That's what it means to be on mission for Jesus. And that others of you would see that guy going, see that girl going, and you would say, yeah, and I'm going to fund the whole thing. This is what it means to be on mission with Jesus. Or how about this one, that you'd open yourself up over the next two years to what the Lord would want to do in you and in your family to grow your faith and your generosity over these next two years. So, so here at Stonegate, we can see for like thousands more People come into relationship with the king, get to know him, get in community, be able to confess sins and, and be met on the other side of that, not with judgment, but, but with the grace of God. That they'd be able to grow in their treasuring of him, and then they would make disciples who treasure Jesus, and they would make disciples. Like, what if that was our aim? Do you see, it's all, these aren't separate issues we're talking about. They're all connected. This is all one thing, and it's this, that you, in following Jesus, you would enjoy him, and that you would become a person who makes disciples, or say it another way, that, that you'd become a fisher of men, that your life would be about getting people on the boat. Come on in. Come on. I want you with me. I want you with me. I want you with me. He's so good. I want you with him, and I'm with him, so you come with me. That's life. That's life. That's life. Follow him, and he will make you fishers of men. Will you, will you come on the journey with us? Come with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is an honor that you would look any of us in the eye and say, I want you with me. the things I've done and said and thought and the way I've lived, and you'd say, come on, come with me. Not a person in this room deserves to hear those words, follow me. We deserve to hear, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. But you say, follow me. 
Thank you. Oh God, would we take that blood earnest seriously? Would we hear the command and would we come and and God, if there's any of us in this room that we're just kind of doing the fence riding thing, could today be the day where, where your Holy Spirit helps us settle it? No, I'm actually throwing my hat in the ring with him. I'm going to follow him. No matter the cost, I want to go where he's going. And God, on that road, would you meet us in such a way that our, our desire to see the world know you just explodes. Where it's cold right now, would you help us collide with you in such a way that that all we can do is boast about you to people. All we can do, we get, we get, we've got to cover our mouths we're talking so much about you. I want that. I want it to just, I want to bleed that. God, please do that in us. We love you and we have every expectation that you will do that because you love us and you love giving your kids good gifts. In Jesus' name we pray.